This is the ERP Advisor. Today's episode, building a business case and gaining executive support for your ERP upgrade. Thank you for joining us for today's CPE webinar, Building a Business Case and Gaining Executive Support for Your ERP Upgrade. In this CPE presentation, our presenter will be discussing how one of the most difficult parts of launching an ERP upgrade is garnering support from all relevant ERP stakeholders in order to build a solid business case for a new ERP. If the key people across your company are not on board, then your selection can be doomed before it even begins. It is vital to build an airtight business case that gains board and executive support for costs, types of solutions, roadmap, and vendor shortlist. Sean will help identify the key elements of successfully building a business case for a new ERP. During this seminar, we will cover the following learning objectives, key issues which derail an ERP migration, best practices for gaining consensus across all business stakeholders, understanding where software requirements fit into an ERP upgrade, conducting cost-benefit analysis to determine the actual case for a new ERP. Today's presentation is valid for one CPE credit. In order to receive CPE credit, each attendee is required to attend the full 50-minute presentation, as well as engage and answer all of the polling questions asked throughout the presentation. If you are needing CPE credit for today's presentation, please leave your name in the chat of this Zoom or send an email to Juliet, J-U-L-I-E-T-T-E, at erpadvisorsgroup.com for record, and you will be issued a certificate for CPE. At the end of today's presentation, there will be a short question and answer period. If you have a question for our presenter, please add it to the chat section of this Zoom. Sean Windle is our presenter for today. Sean is the founder and managing principal of ERP Advisors Group based in Denver, Colorado. Sean has worked in the enterprise software industry for over 25 years. He started his career at Accenture and Arthur Anderson Business Consulting and moved into the software industry with Oracle as a technology product manager. There are only a few people in the world with the practical software experience that Sean has gained with helping hundreds of clients across many industries with selecting and implementing a wide variety of enterprise solutions. His podcast, The ERP Advisor, has dozens of episodes with thousands of downloads and is featured on prominent podcast platforms such as Apple and Spotify. Sean, if you're ready, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you to begin our presentation for today. Okay. Thanks, Juliet. Let me just do a quick sound check. Does everybody hear me okay? Okay. Okay, good, good. I think we're good to go. Okay, perfect. Good, good, good. Then we're going to do it here. I think I may try to come on camera and we'll get that there as well. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. I'm Sean Wendell, as Juliet so graciously introduced me. Um, when I hear her introduce me, I wonder who she's talking about because I feel like I'm 28 years old, but I'm not. <laughs> so um, as as she mentioned as well, um, um, I work with Enterprise um, Software Advisory Firm, ERP Advisors Group. And um, yeah, you know, we, we talk about these topics for a living, basically. So let's jump in and go from there. Okay. So when when we're talking about some of the, um, the learning objectives for this session, right, about um, kind of building the business case and gaining executive support for your enterprise, uh, for your ERP upgrade or migration, I wanted to start in a bit of an unusual place here, which is um, sort of at the end. 
um, Rebecca and I, and, and well, mostly Rebecca and the marketing team were working through getting um, this presentation together here. And I popped in about three minutes ago <laughs> because I was on the phone with a uh, with an implementation partner um, on a project that has not gone very well. And, and we're trying to figure out what really is the best way to help this client through this upgrade and uh, come up with a with a, a solution that's going to work for everybody. So, you know, unfortunately, there is a reality in in our industry here that that upgrades do sometimes fail. I will tell you, the good news is, is there's always a way out of the situation with um, it just requires a lot more communication amongst all the parties that are involved and also some responsibility and ownership, which can be interesting. But but let's go through some of these uh, commonly provided reasons why an, an ERP upgrade fails. So I kind of broke these up into before the project even starts, during the project um, in terms of the actual implementation, as well as at go live. <clears throat> so if you look at online reports and you talk to people and, you know, it's sort of like a... Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, kind of, I've been in the management consulting industry my entire career, except for a couple of years at some of the enterprise software vendors. And you hear this, no executive buy-in. And, um, you know, look, there's truth to that. But but when somebody offers you that as a reason why um, the project failed, that that's not right. It, it's, it's just not right, right? I mean, if you have executives that care about your organization, which just by default, if you look up the derivation of what executive means, um, they want to get things done for the greater good of the organization. And if enterprise software is something that they deem to be something that's good, then they're going to support it. So why don't why didn't they really support it? If you kind of think about this from the back end of oh, the project failed, why? Oh, because we didn't have executive buy-in. Now they're afraid. They were afraid that what actually ended up happening would happen, that there would be a failure. And we didn't handle the fear appropriately up front, to be totally honest with you. And, and I think that's what that's what I just continue to see um, over and over and over is that um, when, when we talk to prospective clients that are saying, hey, we're interested in engaging you guys to help with this process, I kind of want them to be a little bit afraid because if they're not... Um, they might not see a need for a firm like ours, but but more importantly, they don't have the correct estimation of effort of what's going to be required for them to go through this process. So I'm afraid. Every project, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't like having the conversations like I just did with uh, with an implementation partner, and we're saying, "Wow, you know, what concessions can we make here to make the client situation better?" Right. These projects are, they're risky, and a lot of folks have been through these before, and so then they're, um, they're, they're stuck, you know, they're just, um, they just get in a situation where they're like, I've been through this, I know what happened, and I don't want to go through it again, I'm, I'm really afraid. So it's not that the fear isn't unfound, is what I'm trying to say. Another reason that you hear about um, why the ERP project really failed um, is, oh, that we were too, too busy on other more urgent capital projects. And, um, you know, well, like we have an instance I'm thinking of, and I'm going to throw in as many examples as I can to hopefully keep everybody awake. 
because these CPE one-way flow conversations can be a little difficult. We will have some questions. You'll need to respond to those. But I'm going to throw in some stories because I think that's what really helps drive these points home. But but we've had a, we had a client that talked to us about doing a project and was interested. And um, we had done a proposal. It was basically a prospect, did a proposal. Um, and, and they came back and said, um, oh, sorry, we're going to have to hold on because there's some other more urgent um, capital projects that that occurred. And when we were doing our initial discussions with these folks, um, actually, that, that's fine. I mean, maybe you need a new machine or maybe you need to make some strategic hires or whatever it is. It's true. But boy, their software was a mess. I mean, it was a mess. It was enough of a mess for them to come to us to even ask for help in the first place. But what they failed to do is they couldn't justify the cost of the new software. So we're going to talk specifically about this one here today and how you can justify the cost and work through that. And that's a big part of this business case. Now, if you look at during the implementation, there's there's three commonly provided reasons why upgrades didn't go well, right? Users didn't take time to test. So yeah, that 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 happens. If a, if users don't take time to test, and then we start the project, we're going through the project, and then we go live, and then the users have to use the app, and they say, "Whoa, it doesn't work! It, it doesn't meet my needs. I can't use this." Right? And you got trucks outside, or you've got resources sitting on the bench unutilized, or you've got grants in or out that you can't process because the users didn't take the time to test. I, I get it. You know, there's. There could be some truth to that, but what we see is that the people that you needed to test were really just too busy with their day jobs, meaning they they had a lot that they had to get done just day in and day out, and, and they're trying to just move the organization, the business, the nonprofit, the government organization forward, and they didn't have the time to actually do the testing, and that's a flunk. I'm just going to say it for people that are in charge of these ERP projects to not consider that there's people and they have day jobs and they might have families, they might have hobbies, they might want a weekend, all that other stuff, right? So when were they supposed to take the time to test? You have to carve tasks off, make time for them, make the space for them to come in and do the testing, and then they'll, um, they'll, they'll be able to get it done. So that's another big reason why ERP upgrades really fail. Um, another reason when we you go out and do studies of, you know, why did uh, whatever company um, fail on their ERP? Oh, they didn't train the users enough. Okay. If, if we all know that from just a very basic conversation, you know, it's easy to say, oh, they just, the training was inadequate. I bet the people who were doing the project knew also that they needed to do training and they needed to do a certain amount of training. So let's go to the real reason, which was the, probably that the terrible trainer uh, that no one fired. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Um, I'm sure in, in every ERP implementation that I've researched, that I've been a part of, every implementation partner I've talked to, every software vendor that I've talked to, if you ask them, do you include training as part of your implementation process? They're all going to say yes. They all are, right? So if somebody offers the reason of inadequate training, 
we often find, and when we go in and do the research and the investigation, they did get training, but it was just terrible. And somebody should have said to the trainers, knock it off. You don't know what you're doing. Let's get in somebody else who can train these people more appropriately. And this gets into the whole train the trainer thing, which everybody's heard of, I'm sure. This is why we say train the trainer is good because you want the train the trainer. The person who does the training first is the software person who then the trainer is your person who speaks your employee's languages, language, hopefully it's one language. Um, and you want that person in front of your people, not the software implementation person, if you can, if you can do it. Good. The last thing that um, a lot of our competitors write about this, I think it's, oh, there's so many words that just went through my head. Um, I'll just be nice. Um, I think it's superfluous, right, to say there was no change management. That's why the project failed. No change management. Okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. But um, maybe there's truth to that, right? We didn't we didn't manage the change on the employee side and have communication plans, incentive plans, and extra training and extra documentation and excited da 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 da. But the real reason is the implementation team got too busy building the application and forgot about the people. Uh, we're working with an organization right now. It's going through a major, major rollout of, of course, not just the ERP, but hey, we'll do uh, human capital management and payroll at the same time, right? It's a big, big project. It makes a lot of sense on why they're moving forward. They need to do it for their business. Um, but we, we're already sensing these indicators that the, the implementation team is so busy with just understanding the requirements and then configuring the app and then changing the configuration to match what the users need through the walkthroughs that they're not thinking about now, hmm, how is that? How are those 3,000 people in the field really going to be impacted when we tell them to do something that they don't do today? Instead, the implementation team is super focused on just get the app built and get it ready. And then we'll figure out that other problem with, you know, the people later. So um, that's a real reason. Now, I'm kind of belaboring the slide, but but I, I think while I have everybody's attention, I really wanted to cover these things too. So then when you look at a failed implementation and you look backwards at what happened at Go Live, um, one of my first projects, um, yep, it's exactly, I remember exactly when it was with a mid-size organization. I had gone from bigger companies to mid-size um, companies. And um, the first project I was put on was a, a Go Live that failed. And I looked at these items and it was absolutely this first bullet, application doesn't work. Um, and when we looked and went back through the, um, the requirements and looked at the application itself and like, why didn't the app overall work? Well, they selected the wrong one. So, you know, not having that, that comprehensive selection process, not doing the needs like I'm going to talk about led to they really just had the wrong software. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, so that's bad, right? And now maybe this is a this next one's a little bit less worse is a key function doesn't work. Um, like uh customer support can't enter orders when customers call in or when they send in emails or when they back then were receiving faxes, right? And uh customer support would go into the system and they would enter the order. Oh, can't enter the order, doesn't work. That's a key function, in other words. Um, when we sort of dig under the covers there, what the real reason why is because Somebody knew there was a problem with the sales order entry process earlier on, and, and it didn't get communicated to the right people to fix it. 
So, man, I'm like, this is like shotgun, guys, like right from the get-go. This is like going to a fireworks show when they do the big fireworks at the beginning and then the rest of it's kind of trickled. So I'm sorry for that. But um, <laughs> but like this point right here, please, 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 if you get anything out of this CP, I think you're going to get a lot out of it today. But please understand something very, very, very important. It's the extreme case. I mean, the far, far extreme case where a um, a problem in an ERP process isn't known until go live. Usually something happens before that. And usually somebody sees it. And usually somebody communicates it. And then usually the person who can fix it fixes it. But the reality is when those problems come up and somebody sees it, Sometimes they get too busy. They don't communicate it to the right person. It doesn't go someplace. And then later on down the road, the problem comes in and it becomes killer, kills the whole project. So what I'm trying to say is, is the more open the communication lines are with your people, with your implementation partner, even with your software vendor, um, the more likely you are for somebody to say, wait, I got this problem over here. Okay, good. Let's investigate it. Whoa, that is a problem. Now let's fix it. Whew. Okay, good. Now we move forward, right? Versus, hey, I got this problem over here. Oh, too busy. We got to work on this, this, and this. It's not like we're going to blow people off or that people have you know, bad intentions. It's that we feel we get so busy that we can't put the attention on the concerns as they come up. Don't do that. Not with ERP because it will come back and bite you. You know, it's like your kid says, uh, I don't know what to say. Everybody's got different views on children these days, but uh, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, I'm thinking about, uh, I don't know, doing something wild and crazy, whatever that is for you parents or for the kiddos out there that are on the call, right? I'm going to do something crazy, crazy. And the parent's like, oh, okay, that sounds great, dear, you know, and goes on. And then the kid doesn't goes and does it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I should have talked to them about whatever, right? Well, you know, it's kind of the same on ERP projects. That analogy probably failed heinously, but I hope you got the point. Did we get the point? Good. Okay, thank you, Rebecca. She's keeping me straight and honest over here. Last one on here. Oh my gosh, how many times do we hear about, well, the ERP project went way over budget? Oh. Um, I mean, we have projects that go over budget. It uh, could be a bad thing. This, In this case, this is the reason why it's bad. But sometimes it's if it's understood and we expect it and we manage it, it's okay, right? But I can tell you that that idea of we went way over budget usually means the developers built out a bunch of crap because the users told them to. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. And, you know, sometimes those users that tell the developers, go do this, go do that, blah, 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 blah. Zoop, the employee's gone. And all of a sudden you're sitting with these customizations and you're like, what in the world is all that stuff that we didn't need? Well, that person felt that they needed it. And you have to understand, most implementation partners and developers are good people. And, and they love meeting the client's needs, appeasing their needs. Oh, you want this? Let me go build it for you. And they don't even tell anybody. They don't even realize it's a change order. Well, the user told me to do it. <laughs> so that's another big reason why these fail. So um I don't know. I could probably stop there, but I'm not going to. But but I just wanted to give you this backdrop because the reality is um, th there are there are derailments with ERP migrations. Some upgrades don't go well, and I don't want I don't want yours to. I'm just being honest with you. So 
you know, we can get to this deck if you'd like it. Um, you know, there's other reasons in that, but but you have to sort of look at each of these items as buttons. And if you look at each one of those, push the button and then bing, whoa, my users aren't telling me what's going on. Our communication is bad or other problems are happening. Um, at least you know now to look for it. Now, there are two really key issues that, that when I really step back, when we look back at our projects and um, and really, I wish everybody just kind of knew this stuff, right? The first one is, I would say eight out of 10 times when we talk to organizations, they don't really understand what they need for enterprise software. They think of it like they're going to go by. Uh, uh, I have my lunch sitting next to me that I didn't quite get to here. I should probably cover it because it's stinky taco stuff. Um, but it's sort of like going to, uh, this is Qdoba. It's like going to Qdoba and saying, I want a taco. <laughs> and they're like, uh, well, what would you like on it? You know, do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want salad? Do you want, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and it's ERP is a little bit like that. That's actually a really good analogy in a very strange lunch-oriented way, I guess. You have to say what you want. You know, I want the lettuce, no lettuce. I want this meat or I want the no meat or the beans or the whatever. ERP is the same way. And so many people think they can just go to a software vendor and say, hey, I need an ERP. And the software vendor says, here it is, right? Here's the money and it's all yours. No, 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 no. It's like buying a burrito at one of these burrito places, right? We've got Qdoba. We got we got them all like right here in our area, which is great. But, you know, as a result, then you select the wrong solution and the wrong implementation team because you don't understand what you really need. Maybe you need an implementation team that can come on site and you pick a team where the resources are remote or you need help with your data migration with cleansing and extracting and transform transforming the data. And the implementation partner just doesn't do that. Right. So you really do have to understand what you need as you, you go into this process. And then the other thing is you have to be prepared. If, if you don't think through all the aspects that we've talked about, your project is doomed to fail before it even gets off the ground. What was that phrase that Erica said earlier? We're going to put you in the trash heap or something. Oh, oh gosh, no, I don't want that. So the tip here, again, thank you, marketing team. My big old fists, um, don't start an ERP implementation until you've done all of your homework. So again, we're touching on a lot of this stuff here today. Um, and this, you can consider this your homework. Okay, I just did this one. Here we go. Good. Okay. Now, question one. So this is for um, your CPE. Um, let's see. So the question is, which of, sorry, hold on just a second here. Let me go back here. Um, so question one, which of the following factors can derail your ERP migration? So A, lack employee buy-in. B, lack resources to complete the project. It could be financial, could be people time, et cetera. I think everybody's already answered the question before I finish it, but that's good. C, selected the wrong solution due to a lack of understanding of needs or D, all the above. We'll give everybody a few minutes here to uh, answer the questions. And I, I think, interestingly, um, I could see how, after somebody's been through this multiple times, how they may think one of these is really the right answer. Because in actuality, um, you know, there's there's some big stuff on here on this slide. Perfect. I think we've got about 18 folks are so good. Okay, we'll give me 10 more seconds. Good. Okay. 
All right, good. So we'll um so of course the answer here um as we look at this next slide is D, all of the above. Now, interestingly, somebody answered with the question um of just uh A. And you know, I, I would take that as an answer. Like if I was a professor, I wouldn't be a good professor because I would say everybody's right all the time. I don't want to make anybody wrong. <laughs> but but um you know, that first point is so vital and is often um, missed so many times that it's really good to just understand like that's out there. Okay. Now we're going to go on. So oh, now that I've, I, 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 hopefully everybody kept their, their lunch intact. Um, after hearing that, I'm feeling a little queasy, but that's also because I ate my Qdoba a little fast, but it's hard to confront all those reasons. It, it, it just really is, but there is hope. There is ways that you can you can get through this and have a successful project because, look, different analyst groups say they have different stats on the amount of projects that don't go well. I'm not even going to get into those stats because it's usually the vast majority. Our projects don't. I bet there's people on the call that have projects that go well, right? So there is a way to get through and have a really successful project. And that's what we're going to focus on now through the rest of the project so my stomach can settle down. Okay, the first the first item here, best practices for gaining consensus across all business stakeholders. So just like um, I, I think the, the last person um, answered A, as I said, you know, business stakeholders, nonprofit stakeholders, we're talking about users, executives, key people, right, that are going to make the project go well or not. You've got to handle and, and make sure that you've got consensus, you've got their consensus for the project. And here's some tips and tricks that we do that really helps to ensure that they are, um, they're in the loop and they're supporting you um, as you go. So, and I just said this to a prospect this morning, as a matter of fact, they said, look, regardless of, of uh, whether or not you hire us, you have to interview the subject matter experts so that they have an opportunity to share their pain points with the current software. You have to do that because it, it starts a dialogue. You're, you're going to hear that a commonality in a lot of my recommendations go back to one thing and one thing only and has nothing to do with technology. It has to do with communication. But this opens the communication lines with these key people, their opinion leaders, their subject matter experts across your organization that are, are experiencing pain today. Now, you may say, well, th there aren't that many subject matter experts that are experiencing pain. And I'd say, oh, well, then maybe you shouldn't change. Oh, well, no, no, no. It's just a few users that are impacted by the system, and they're the ones with the pain. Okay, good. Well, then, bring, bing. Now we know what you need. You don't need to get an app that encompasses the entire business. Let's just go out and find an app that handles that one key area. So there's a little bit of logic built into my madness here with my recommendations. But you want to conduct interviews with the departmental leads, subject matter experts, again, the key users to determine what their pain points are today and what their limitations to growth are in the future. We, you know, we we call pain points in the future as you grow limitations to growth. And that's important because you don't want to just say, oh, everything's fine today. Okay, well, we have 20% growth each year and you know, you're going to be twice as big or even 50% as big as you are in two and a half years. Oh, well, we're going to have to add 10 people to do our billing process. Ooh, that's painful, right? So you've got to look into the future as well. 
And and you can definitely ask people to submit issues that they're having with the current system. I mean, maybe you fill out an interview template and send that out. That's totally fine. I'll tell you, um, when we do our projects, it's a bit of a differentiator um, versus some of our competitors. We don't send interview uh, questionnaires out, like ever, on the needs. We do on the change management in the implementation, but not on the needs. Because we're watching what those departmental leads are saying and how they're acting to really see if they're really willing to change or not. So that's important. Um, you will get an issue or you will get a view, pardon me, into what the issues are that really do need to be solved when you do this process. And, you know, the other thing is, is that you really, the list you're going to get, when you see all the issues, right, then you can start to sort of segment them out, sort of categorize them a little bit. Some of the issues you're not going to solve, right? They're, they're just concerns. They might be related to non-software issues. They might even be a whole bunch of issues that say, we didn't get trained. Well, do you think you should switch your software out if it's a training issue? Not necessarily. Now, maybe you're on an app that was implemented 25 years ago, and all the people that use it are gone. <laughs> they're usually moved on to the next latest and greatest ERP. So they're, they're maybe not around to do the training. But very often, when you see these lists, you, you know, you really start to understand what's really going on with the issues and can make some better decisions from there. So those are some good best practices. Now, um, a couple other things to do here too, and, and I think that's really the focus of what we wanted to talk to you guys about today, even though I've gone through a gazillion other things, is this concept of what's called a cost-benefit analysis. You may see a CBA. That phrase Gosh, I'm, again, I keep dating myself on all these calls, but um, it's um, it, it's been around for a long time. But but the concept is for from an ERP perspective is to sort of outline or get the the general cost of implementing the software. And this is tricky. Again, this is a moment where I would say if you're gobbling down your Chipotle or whatever, maybe stop crunching as much and listen because this is important. When we talk about costs, we don't just mean the actual software costs, right? Which are usually recurring costs based on users, based on modules. Some vendors like Acumatica, it's based off number of transactions. So kind of usage of the system, if you will. Other vendors base it off a of percent of revenue or um, there's one vendor out there that does it based off the number of employees that you have. That's Workday, and they have all kinds of little tricks and things in there that you have to take a look at, right? So you do need the cost of the software, and of course, you need the cost of the implementation, the technical configuration of implementing the software. And and look, um, I, I try to give helpful ratios in that. They're always a little dangerous, Sometimes people go out and do stuff and then they come back and say, well, you said it was a one-to-one -one ratio of software implementation costs. Well, yeah, for a tier two ERP, that's probably right for a basic implementation. But the more complex the implementation is, it may go to a one-to-two ratio or like in the Microsoft world where the software price is actually pretty low um, for uh, finance and supply chain management, or even Business Central, Microsoft Dynamics 365, yada, yada. Um, the software costs are relatively low, but the implementation costs can be high. So the ratio there can be one to 10, right? But you're getting an idea of what the implementation costs are in order of magnitude. 
But there are other costs too, which are additional resources that you're going to need to make the project a success. So if you need your people to do additional work, which you will, by the way, you might want to give them some additional compensation. You should build that into your model, into your cost model. You might need to hire a firm like us. Very often um, after selection, we stick around and do implementation consultations with our clients where we're working with their PM and the implementation partner PM. We're not a third PM. That's not us. (laughs) Oh my gosh, have we been through that a lot this year? But we're there saying, okay, directing the client side usually to say, okay, this is what we need to do next. Oh, you need help? Okay, we'll go in and do that, right? And sometimes those fees can be, 20, 30% of the of the software plus the implementation costs. Sometimes they could be more depending on what you need on your side. So you have to take a realistic view of the amount of resources you have available to work on the project. And if you don't have enough, well, you're going to have to go get them somewhere. So include those costs. You might even include a contingency um, that says, uh, we're just going to tell the executives we're going to put in 25% more for change orders and stuff like that. That makes a lot of sense. It's a good thing to do. Um, don't tell the vendors that, that the money's available, but just have it there so you don't have to go back to your peeps upstairs and ask for more money, right? Um, and then one other kinds of costs, well, there's several other layers that you can put in, but there's also ongoing maintenance costs um, of the software. Well, maintenance maintenance is covered in a SaaS agreement, uh, but that's true. But you may want to have your implementation come back every year and do some maintaining of your application or um, some managed services of your application, like, you know, helping with your upgrades and stuff like that. So there's some other cost categories there. Guys, I talked about costs a lot. Now there's the benefits side too, right? And, and the benefits, we'll get into some of those specifics there. Um, they should outweigh the cost or you shouldn't do the project. Now, it can be a little bit hard, especially with HCM software, although the people from Workday or Paylocity would probably disagree with me. But um, the benefits of an ERP, where we're looking cross-business, looking at lots of business processes like automating manual tasks, reducing inventory costs, increasing resource utilization, there could be costs of errors from multiple points of data entry, swivel chair, enter data here, enter data there. Um, There could also be costs of regulatory and compliance penalties that we're missing because we're not reporting on our, our, um, our employees correctly, right? Those benefits, guys, this is the thing. You don't need a Harvard MBA to identify and define those benefits. If you do, you probably shouldn't be doing the ERP project because that's too hard. They're usually layered right there on top. And there's three or four that you can take some um, very simple estimates to and get to. So with that said, let's look at our next question. So true or false, the cost-benefit analysis will be vital to gaining executive support. So here we go. We got the pull up. Please go ahead and get in your answers for that. And if anybody misses this, then I'm going to call you afterwards and we're going to talk about what to do. I'd probably call you anyway, even if you got it right. But (laughs) right. Maybe just another 10 seconds or so. It's funny how, um, you know, it's not even like a like. I mean, a formal deck with some slides and some background, et cetera, et cetera, that's certainly only going to help. But it can also just be a simple conversation, right, that says, here's what we think the the costs are. 
here's the five or six or seven benefits areas. And then usually the organization can see for themselves, the executives can see that um, it makes a lot of sense, right? So we don't want you to go through a, a lot of rigmarole, but you know, for some of our PE back companies, they do need to do that. Or um, you know, a lot of our CFO um, um, clients that are more finance oriented, they do want to put together an ROI model. That's awesome. But just know it's based on a lot of assumptions. So as soon as somebody asks that question about, well, if we put in the new CRM system, sure, our salespeople should be more effective. So we want a 1% increase in sales. That's going to feel better than we're going to expect a 25% increase in sales. And if you start putting that stuff in front of the, the folks at the top and the board, the PE, whoever, you better make sure that that person that you just committed the improvement on is uh, in agreement with that. And I think they'd rather see the 1% increase. So we always, always, always use very conservative numbers um, to build up the benefit side. And even on the cost side, we'd rather be more, you know, um, specific about um, or just more more conservative about the amount of dollars that go into this without making it stupidly high. And then no one's going to say, um, yes to the project, unless you're looking to retire soon and you don't want to do it. That would be a way to kill the project. Just, I'm saying. Okay. Now, another big thing that comes up about this whole business case and the upgrade or migration discussion around ERP, we get this question a lot. We just actually had it on a call earlier today. It's so funny how this is also real time where uh, the gentleman we were talking to said, look, the CEO is going to ask you, <laughs> literally, where do functional requirements come in? That's what they call the functional requirements. Like you're going to do functional requirements, right? Or detailed requirements, or or you're going to define our business requirements, right? And and we sort of say no, no, we're actually not, but we're going to do a demonstration script and we're going to get into your high level needs, et cetera, et cetera. And you want a list of functional requirements? Fine, we'll do it. But it's not really something that, that gets fleshed out until the implementation. And, and, and this is important because um, it's also a reason why when somebody is selling you or somebody believes you need to do detailed business process modeling before the implementation, they're not right because it, the amount of effort that's required to go into an organization that's been thinking about their apps and thinking through the way they're using the apps, and here's how we do what we do today, right? And we're going to map all that stuff out, right? And then we're going to map out all of our requirements and everything else. Look, that's it's not that it's not helpful. It's just it's a bit of a waste of your resources, and you're about to ask a whole lot of your resources. Save that for the implementation. But what you do need to know when you're going through the selection, we call it the needs analysis, is you do need to understand your high-level needs, though, so you can determine the types of software solutions that you may need. Then in the implementation, you get into detailed requirements from end users. So we will absolutely look at unique business requirements um, in the selection process. We always recommend putting together a demonstration script that says, here's what I need to see software, miss software vendor, show this to me. And that's going to make me feel like I've seen it from this vendor and this vendor and this vendor and this vendor. We gave them the same thing. 
um, um, a, uh, a demonstration script with unique business requirements. Now, could you consider those detailed requirements, functional requirements? Absolutely, right? But the way that we do a uh, three-way match, right, uh, between a you know, receipt document, a purchase order, and a vendor bill, um, I mean, think about this. I mean, we, I guess there's some variability that we could see there. But kind of how we get there kind of doesn't matter in the selection, unless there's something unique about your business. But let's say you don't have that capability today and you want to see it in a demo, put it in there so that they can show you how they do the three-way, right? That's that's important for sure as a good example of a requirement that would be there, but we might not go into uh, receive the receipt documents in multiple ways. Uh, maybe there's another requirement that says we scan in the receipt document and through the optical character optical character recognition, the system does the three-way match. Ooh, that's I love that. Let's do put that in the script, right? But the key thing is once you understand your high-level needs, now you can say, okay, what are the solution types in the market that we have to actually go out and vet, that we have to go out and evaluate and, and actually go through a selection? And this, this artifact here, um, deliverable, I still, I don't know if it's artifacted. I still haven't seen that new Indiana Jones movie, though. I wonder if he's doing artifacts there. That's real artifacts. This is just the PowerPoint stuff. But anyway, it shows that there's, for this particular client, that there are four different types of solutions, a single um, enterprise solution on one extreme, on the other extreme is best to breed. The hybrids kind of fit in the middle, although we put them on the right-hand side. Now that I look at this, um, but it sort of communicates, hey, you know, let's, let's, we always try to shoot for hybrids for our clients. We really want them to be on as few products as possible because we love them. We don't hate them <laughs> and we don't want them to have integration nightmares. We have one client right now that has that. And it's when you go best to breed, there are instances where you would go best to breed solutions. Like we have a lot of deep requirements in all these areas. Well, you know, if you go to a field services app, somebody who just focuses on field services, they're going to be able to do a lot more. And so anyway, you, now that you understand your needs, now you can look at the types of solutions that then I think on our next slide, as we talk about, um, well, we're going to finish up here on the requirements fit. Um, this is all really getting to cost, guys, that that you got to understand, you know, what happens if you're unaware of your software needs, right? And then try to confront this, this ERP upgrade. You're, you're just it's just going to be a failure like you're you're not going to make it um you're going to select the wrong solution and and you leave yourself vulnerable to purchasing not just the software product but everything that goes with it all the integrations all of the best of breed solutions uh you pick avalara and you should have picked something else for tax or all of this stuff including now you got this thing and you have to upgrade it every, you know, six months. Um, a lot of these solutions just get kind of upgraded for you. You're voluntold on the upgrade. And you just you just have this huge waste of time and resources, basically, from just not being aware of what your needs are. So when, when we think about requirements and we think about um, how important it is that you understand what you need, and again, you can see now how that drives into your cost equation, because if I just go back to this slide, if you think you just need a wholesale and distribution application, you forget you need field services, then your costs are way off. So get your needs understood so that you don't have those problems. Good. Let's go to our next question here. So the question is, in what ways does knowing your needs help you prepare for an upgrade? Oh, we got kind of a different answer on this one. This is good. So A, 
um, you can manage, let's see here, you can manage the trajectory of the project so you know which way it's going. You can tentatively prepare for costs so that you have some idea of what you're buying. Uh, C, you will immediately know exactly what product to select. Uh, D, both A and B, or E, all of the above. Whew, a lot going on there. Um, and and I think I think just you know as a point of clarity here, you don't really need to know. Well, I wait for we're getting in some good answers. This is great. Um, we'll give you guys another ten seconds or so here to get your answer in for sure. It, 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 when you're doing these ERP projects and you're starting them, it, it is sort of like you're you're starting to develop the map, the detailed map. But you need to create the the space is the best phrase I can say it in which this ERP project is going to exist. You don't need to know the details at the beginning, but you do need to know the big rocks, like Covey used to call it. What are the big things that make up the project? So, for this one, um, the correct answer on this is uh, is D. Now, um, you won't know what software you're going to select right away um, because you do need to go through a demonstration process with your script and then go through and have the vendor show you can they meet it or not. Go through all the costs, go through on the final uh, due diligence tasks here. You know, we look at functionality deep dives, technology deep dives, implementation partner deep dives. Um, we even look at executive support and the long-term roadmap deep dives, right? So there's a lot of stuff that you need to go through to get to that final product. Now, um, let's go through and um, kind of talk about the other side of the equation. So that was all about the cost side. I probably went a little bit more into some more specifics there too. But now the benefits side. Um, Here's some tips and tricks that we've seen on how to really get the, the the case, like the actual case defined. So you want to look across all areas of the business. Again, I use business, I should say organization there that will be impacted by the new software. If you just need a financials app for accounting, fine, find the benefits there, right? But, you know, maybe accounting can produce better reports so that the executive team can actually have more visibility in what's happening in real time and can make some decisions that will increase EBITDA by a percent. I don't know. That might be a good benefit, right? Even though it's just in the finance area, it's the accounting or, or financial um, solution. But if you look across the whole organization, you look at where the new software is going to be put in, that's where you'll start to see the benefits. And you can drive benefits by each group. Um, and, and you also have to look at those benefits realistically to say, can they really be fixed or resolved with new software or not? Um, and it could be something else that's going on. So we'll have this where, you know, it's it takes a long time for um, the AP department to process bills. And those bills uh, for engineering company, um, for subcontractors need to go onto the invoices that we bill our customers. It's uh, yeah, it's a whole process, right? And it takes the AP department forever to get the invoices in from our vendors. And then our billing is delayed and then our cash flow is bad. So that being AP department, go faster, faster, faster. And they say, well, it turns out <laughs> the project managers who are sending out the, the materials to the vendors, the, the subcontractors, that they are delayed in doing that. They might not do it until after the project because they're so busy. 
oh, so it has nothing to do with AP, right? So you really do want to kind of dig around a little bit and find out where the real benefit or issue um, resides and then start going with the benefit from there. And please, 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 please be very conservative with the benefits. Do not use double-digit benefits. So don't say, oh, it's a 10% or a 25% increase in EBITDA or in revenue or 20% decrease in COGS or operating expenses. By the way, those are really about the only benefits you're going to see if you think about an income statement. There could be things like, oh, we're going to increase inventory turns or we're going to uh, decrease day sales outstanding, right? Stick with basic um, conservative benefits for sure. And then you definitely want to build a model so that you can change the percentages. This is just a real rough example um, that that for an organization that we kind of broke out these, I think there's like 10 areas here. There's a lot where when we did the analysis, um, they could reduce um, costs, they could increase sales. And when we do this kind of analysis, we're thinking with the monetization of benefits and the impact to the bottom line. So we don't just say, hey, we can increase sales, increase sales by automating commodity sales process. Very manual stuff they're doing today. All kinds of orders get lost and people write down the wrong thing and blah, blah, blah. If you put it in a system, you're going to get improvements. Like, okay, that makes sense. I think in this example, we said it was a 1% increase in sales that we would expect. But then we say that, that the gross profit margin is whatever it was, again, conservative to say, here's the, here's the actual um, net impact to the bottom line that we would receive. Because if you increase sales, you have increased the cost of goods sold, right? So don't forget that. But now these extra dollars that pop out the bottom, now we can, we can compare those with our actual cost to the ERP system, right? So you really want to get to those bottom line benefits. Um, if you reduce operating expenses, like I think, um, uh, reduced cost by automating accounting processes in the accounting department. Um, there was sort of a reduction in some personnel, but it wasn't in the short term. It was really more long term. So we could look at not hiring a junior accounting person, right, that they were looking at doing. That person goes away. So we don't have to hire them. And the other piece to this benefits analysis is we do take it out to three years. And sometimes there might be, this is just straight lined over three years. Sometimes there's an increase, sometimes there's a decrease, but you can start to get some pretty big numbers when you start looking across the organization, being conservative with all these benefits. That's the key that we're showing here. Good. Um, now, I think I talked a little bit about this on the cost side. I already probably went into too much detail earlier that when, when we're looking at the costs, um, definitely make sure that you are looking at the different kinds of costs that are there. Usually folks want to see it as a yearly cost and then a one-time, there's recurring, one-time recurring is the annual, the, the yearly cost. Um, I think I went through most of these. Maybe I didn't mention the employee backfill. Look, sometimes you have to hire somebody to do some of the more um, obvious tasks that a person is doing that we can bring in a third party for to do that for them. Or maybe we have to promote a junior up to that position, move them up to the project. So there's definitely lots of different cost categories that you're going to. And, and ultimately on the cost side, we're looking to build out a model that sort of looks something like this. Um, remember those different types of solutions, 
um, software costs, annual support, ongoing development, total recurring, non-recurring, total year one, total three year. Well, Sean, how am I supposed to know what the software costs without talking to the vendors? Well, maybe pick a vendor and go talk to them and start getting some costs, right? You can start extracting some cost information from the market as well. There are some things out there that you can see. And notice the ratio that we used here, one to one, right? Here, it's one to three. Um, so the one to one to one to five ratio is a good area that you can kind of stick in as well. And if it's a pretty, if you're an organization that's maybe a quarter billion or under, um, and it, we're pretty straightforward. Everybody thinks they're straightforward and they're not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, I would say a one-to-one, maybe a one-to-two ratio if you want to be careful um, between the software costs and the implementation costs is good to use. Okay, so um, I think it's our last question too, and I know we're about five minutes out. Um, so true or false, a cost-benefit analysis will assist you in confirming your need for a new ERP, not just get it sold and work through with your um, executive team on if they accept it or not, but by going through this analysis at the end of it, you're going to really have more comfortability with, with what you're getting. Give you a few more minutes to get in there. This is the, the last question. Anybody who's still on, who's in their email right now, and needs to put in their question, um, please put it in. There we go. We just got a couple more. That's good. <laughs> I usually do three or four things during these meetings. Not this one, though. I'd usually be eating right now, but I can't do that with the camera. So um, good. We'll give you all just a few more seconds here. Perfect. Okay, good. We'll end the poll. For the, uh, um, the, the two folks that um, that put false, give us a call because I want to talk to you. You know, the reality is this too, guys, that there's other ways that you can confirm your needs for a new ERP. But I, I think I think what we want to do with this session here is, is sort of, as we kind of look at the summary, is we want you to see that you have to understand the real issues on what can happen. And, and then you can handle them. You can spot them. If you don't know what the problem is, then you can't find a solution. And maybe one could go very esoteric and say, oh, that's really what a problem is, is something that I don't know the solution to. That's what makes it a problem. That's right. Well, now you got a lot more insight into that. But by doing this, this breakdown of cost versus benefits, um, you, you'll build the business case for the upgrade, but but you 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 see you're working through a lot of these sort of questions that other people are going to ask you that you really should have the answer to before you actually support the change, right? I I, I don't want people. I hate it when um, people come to us and they say, you know, I know we got to do this system, but I just can't get the support of the executives to do it. And and it's like that person knows innately what's going on, right? But but they can't communicate it to the other folks so that they, they can get through the fear and some of the other things we talked about. That's where this cost-benefit analysis comes from. Um, your requirements should be gathered and understood for sure um, prior to upgrading the or, or prior to confronting the ERP upgrade, or you will end up with the wrong solution. But but remember, we're not going to go down into the detailed, detailed requirements that may take six or 12 months to get to. We need to understand the high-level requirements, your unique business requirements, and by talking to the subject matter experts and hearing what their issues are, you're converting those into 
basically a demonstration script with functionality that you're putting in front of the vendors to say, hey, how will you solve this problem, right? And then the other thing too here is just don't go through this unless you absolutely have to. Um, it's 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 sort of like um, why do anything if you know it's going to fail, but but you really want to make sure that that your organization can really achieve this change. And and if you have questions about that, you need to go through these steps for sure. You can always reach out to us if you need any help. You know we do uh, we call it Erica's free ERP advisory service. She's like Lucy from Peanuts. Um, she can answer a lot of questions for sure, and she'll jump all over it. Um, but we'd rather see you be successful than not successful. I mean, who wouldn't, I guess? I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if everybody's like that in this ERP world. But but we are for sure. So with that said, uh, we've just got a couple minutes here. Um, we do have another event coming up here in October. Um, October is Cybersecurity Month. It's a very scary month. I mean, there's like Halloween, which is fine, but the cybersecurity stuff that we always talk about with James, this I think will be our third or fourth year with James. Uh, he's with an organization called Know Before. A lot of our clients use that application, phenomenal application. He gets to hear the real horror stories. <laughs> Ghost stories are bad. You should hear about the cybersecurity stuff that's going on. Um, but that'll be on October 12th. We'd love for you all to join us. You can register here. You can go to our website to do that. Um, I don't know if any questions came in. Do we know if anything came in good? Okay, perfect. Well, I think if you all um, can make sure for your CPE, uh, if you have any questions, go to Juliet at erpadvisorsgroup.com, J-U-L-I-E-T-T-E at erpadvisorsgroup.com. She can help you out to make sure that's all registered. You have my contact information here. If there's anything I can ever do, that's actually my cell phone. Let me know, text me, um, but we'd love to help you out however it makes sense too. So thanks everybody for your attention and have a good day. Thank you.